0: I'm joined today by Chris if you'd like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your current role and what it involves.
1: My name's Chris, I'm an engineer for the Met Office so I guess most of you guys know what the Met Office primarily do, weather forecasting for various customers but my job as an engineer I basically fix and look after, maintain all the kind of meteorological equipment used for taking weather readings so My job is mostly the land-based equipments. All over the country, we've got land-based meteorological sites with various sort of sensors on to measure temperature, pressure, all sorts of other things. And my job is kind of travelling around the country and maintaining those, making sure they're all giving accurate readings. And uh, when they break, fixing them. We've got other bits and bobs we look after as well, like weather radars and wind profilers and some more kind of complex equipment. So, yeah, it's really varied.
0: That sounds really interesting, Chris. Thank you. So you say you travel around a lot. What does a normal or typical day at work look like
1: for you? Well, I guess uh, the last couple of months have obviously been very different with the current sort of situation. But going back a few months, a normal day would be I'd go to the office and log on to my computer. I've got a piece of software that we use to kind of see what jobs are in. So. Obviously, kind of broken equipment comes through as like incidents, which are high priority. So we kind of look what priority the sort of incidents are, pick the highest. And then if something major is broken, we'd uh, head out and fix it. I'm based in Nottingham. I kind of look after right up to sort of Durham and down into kind of Norfolk. Then out sort of all down the East Coast and out towards the Welsh border. So we've got quite a sort of big area that we look after. So, yeah, normal day, I'd pick up an incident. If there is any, head out to the site and start work on trying to figure out what's wrong. When we figured out what's wrong, hopefully we managed to fix the issue out. other thing we do is some routine maintenance stuff. So when nothing is broken, we also have regular kind of maintenance on the sites. So every six months, we head out to the sites just to check all the sensors are recording as they should. So we go through every sensor, we test if they're accurate. Also, certain sensors have different calibration periods when they go back to our QA labs, where basically they are checked more thoroughly. So every three, four or five years, the sensors are removed and switched with another one. I'd say probably out on the road, maybe 80% of the time. And then the other sort of 20% of the time I'd spend in the office just catching up on admin and then keeping the uh, asset management side of things up to date and making sure we know on um, the systems where the sensors are obviously it's one of those jobs that's far more pleasant in summer i've uh, had some not so pleasant days out when it's uh, snowing and really windy but yeah it's uh, all part of the fun i guess so
0: thank you chris i can imagine the weather does make some days more difficult than others so you mentioned the sites that you go to are they quite varied
1: yeah so uh touching on your first point yeah the weather can certainly have its uh, challenges i mean if it's obviously raining a lot or snowing or really bad weather as well as being cold and unpleasant for us also electronics equipment doesn't tend to like it so we have uh, like work tents we sometimes put over things second point where are the sites In the met office we've got for the land-based equipment i think there's 303 sites at present all across the uk of which I look after 74, well not me personally, but me and my team look after 74 of them. I guess the smallest of our sites tend to be in farm fields, just on bits of farmland where the farmers has got plenty of land, we just have a little section in the corner. Some of those sites are just solar powered and have a battery, so that I tend to have maybe just temperature sensors, possibly pressure, and then the data will be sent back over mobile phone networks. So every hour our main system will Effectively, it's the mo- phone modem on site and pull the data back from it. So, that's kind of most basic of sites. Then they sort of go up in complexity right up to RAF stations. Uh, on the RAF sites, we have full mains power and full IP comms with those. So, effectively, the site's just connected to the internet and we get real time data from that. We've also got forecasters often based at of the site. So, some of the OBS are done kind of manually have forecasters to effectively verify or observe as part of their role is verifying the equipment's accurate. On an RF site we'd have stuff as mentioned temperature, humidity, pressure, we'd also have wind, often cloud-based recorders which is effectively it fires a laser up at the cloud and can measure the kind of lowest part of the clouds. Visibility sensors and present weather sensors so they're bits of electronic equipment that effectively tell us how good visibility is again really important on our RF site for flying purposes
0: thanks Chris so who else works in your team
1: in Nottingham where I'm based there's four engineers there's myself and three others doing the same as my role there's someone who basically goes around and checks the kind of exposure of the sensors so while I look after more the engineer inside and making sure the equipment's reading accurately we also have someone doing a role who checks stuff surrounding the sensor if you like so make sure there's no kind of trees within certain sort of distance away from it Uh, we've got a couple of people doing managerial roles across the UK there's uh, I think the Met Office has 27 engineers in total so they're the guys doing exactly the same as me we also have a marine team who are based down in Southampton we've also got an R&D department who look at like new sensors we could potentially be rolling out they're based down in Exeter That's where our headquarters are. So a lot of the other roles that people do, they're all based down in Exeter.
0: Thank you. What are the most important skills that you have to use in your job?
1: I guess a lot of logical thinking and problem solving is the sort of main thing I rely on to do my job. It's, I guess, a bit of math sometimes. When working out kind of resistances and voltages and stuff like that that should be going to sensors. But primarily, I think it's just a kind of about logical thinking and sort of visualising how the system works overall and working your way through in a kind of logical manner.
0: What do you like most about your job?
1: I guess the variety. I mean... Before I did this, I did a few other roles, but something I really enjoy about this is just how varied it is. I mean, we look after loads of different systems, like I said, as well as the weather stations we've got, weather radars and stuff, which are kind of completely different. Weather balloon launches—that's another one we kind of uh, look after. So, and all these pieces of equipment are very different. So, although it's primarily land-based weather stations, there's other bits and bobs that keep it interesting. I enjoy being outside, so I think this job is perfect for me. A kind of field engineer is right down my street just because yeah I don't like being sat in front of a computer for too many hours also something I haven't mentioned which was a real kind of interesting part of the job we look after some of the uh, overseas sites so I've had the opportunity to go over to the Falklands a few times uh, Ascension Island a couple of times we've got an RF base in Cyprus Akaturi that's another site we've been over to a few times so I guess that's uh, something else I really enjoy about the job it's kind of same as I do here in the UK but with the added bonus of doing it somewhere really quite interesting and novel so a a real perk to the job that I really like.
0: That does sound like a great perk especially if you get to go to Cyprus in the summer months that would be amazing. (laughs) So how did you actually get started in the role and what or who inspired you? Did you always want to be an engineer?
1: I've always been fascinated with how things work. So maybe it was always my destiny. As a teenager, I really took an interest in like electronics. I had a period of time where I got quite interested in amateur radio and like um, how radio frequency and stuff works. So I spent quite a few of my teenage years tinkering with radio transmitters and stuff like that. My favourite subjects at school were the more like design and technology and maths and physics-y type subjects. When I was maybe, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, I was always tinkering with electronic projects and building things. I remember uh, making like this awesome bedroom door alarm when I was younger to keep my sister out. It had so many different senses. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's just something that sticks in my mind. Is it one of my first kind of projects that I really sort of got into. As I got a bit older, basically... I came to sort of the end of school knew I wanted to do something kind of electronic based but didn't really know what but at the same time I was quite keen to kind of get out of school so I went down the apprenticeship route initially I did a three-year apprenticeship as an electrician I worked in um, kind of an industrial setting so it was a food processing plant so I looked after a lot of three-phase electrical systems It was interesting and uh, completed that. did some sitting gills and MVQs and various bits and bobs. So completed that as a qualified electrician. Then decided I could get paid more elsewhere. Now I'm as a qualified electrician. So moved here, working for an electrical contractor, doing a lot of more sort of commercial and domestic stuff. It was okay, but it just didn't really challenge me enough. I mean, The money was good, but at the same time, I just didn't really get that job satisfaction out of that. So after doing kind of electrical stuff for maybe five years, I guess, after leaving school, maybe realised that electrical stuff wasn't really for me. It was maybe more the electronics side of things that was really my interest. So basically decided that maybe I need to move into a more electronics role and then I guess at the same time as realising electronics is what I wanted to do, also realising that the electrical route, the two, I think in my head at the time, it was kind of, you could switch between them, but sort of soon had the realisation that it's not that easy. So um made the decision to go back to college, did a HNC, then a HND in electronics engineering. Then after I did the HND in electronics engineering, got a job for a small company doing Perfect kind of job for me. It was more like bespoke electronic sort of solutions. So they did a lot with sort of CCTV solutions for councils. The idea of what they were sort of working on at the time were like rapid deployment cameras that used like microwave links and stuff. So really kind of used my RF knowledge that I built up over the years. The only reason I left, I guess, because it was quite a small company. I just felt that I'm never really going to progress doing this. I kind of thought if I stick with this, I'm going to be doing this forever, which in a way was fine, but in a way it was just. Maybe I don't want to do exactly that forever. had a brief spell where I worked on fruit machines. Yeah, that just, again, I I found it boring. It was just sort of board swapping. So although it was okay and (laughs) paid the bills, I guess, it just didn't challenge me. Then, yeah, noticed this job come up at the Met office and thought, hmm, it's interesting. I don't really have any sort of meteorological or weather knowledge, but everything else they're looking for, I tick all the boxes. So applied and went for an interview a week or so later they offered me the job. I think uh, working for the Met Office with it being a huge organisation there's just fantastic sort of job opportunity and training opportunity.
0: Thanks Chris that's really really interesting and really interesting to hear how your interests and hobbies as a young person translated into where you are now so I think that's really nice to let young people know that Doing something that you love and enjoy as a hobby can actually lead on to a career where you're using the same skills and end up actually really loving the job that you do so you mentioned that you enjoyed design and technology physics and maths at school. which subjects would you say from school actually help with your current role?
1: I suppose maths and design and technology elements are primary ones i guess and maybe physics as well a bit I guess from doing what I do now i've built up my sort of meteorological and weather knowledge a bit so I guess that's very physics based Uh, but yeah I think primarily I'd say those three subjects the maths like I mentioned a lot of what I do is sort of you need to work out the calculations to work out what resistances you should get what voltages currents stuff like that so yeah the maths is quite quite an important one the dt and the electronic side of things I think are still important to what I do now I suppose at the end of the day, I'm more of a hardware engineer than a software engineer, so I do a lot with the electronics still. I suppose, as well, maybe worth a mention of kind of the English side of things. Communication is very important in my role when speaking to peers and um, customers as well. I think it's important to
0: realise that non STEM subjects are also important. So, yeah, thank you. Are there any myths or misconceptions around your role as an engineer?
1: I think the main one, maybe more of an older misconception. I don't think it's maybe not quite as apparent anymore, but I think a lot of people see engineering as maybe a male dominated industry. It maybe still kind of is in a way, but it definitely shouldn't be. I think, uh, I mean, certainly for the Met Office, we've got three or four female engineers working for us now. I think uh, females can make fantastic engineers, and they, yeah, maybe it's a shame that possibly maybe more aren't driven towards that. I think as well, it's nice to see, certainly in my role for the Met Office, the forecasters were primarily male. Now, I think there's been a big kind of flip in that. I'd say it's there's still a lot of male forecasters, but in a way, I think it's kind of turned on its head. There seems to be maybe a majority of females now, which is nice to see.
0: Thanks, Chris. And it's really nice to hear from a male perspective that you'd like to see more females going into engineering. I was just going to finish and ask if you've got any top tips or advice for young people who might be interested in Choosing engineering or becoming a field service engineer?
1: Subjects at school, I'd say stick with math science and like yeah, the design and technology sort of fields. I think now there's fantastic opportunity for people who do have a kind of interest in the engineering and computer side of things to maybe build and grow on that. I know when I was younger. Computer equipment wasn't as easy to come by. It's now like I spend quite a lot of time doing various other STEM activities, and we do a lot of stuff with like Raspberry Pis and things like that. I just think there's so much opportunity now to play and tinker and learn. So, yeah, I guess get yourself a Raspberry Pi or just any kind of computing device and consider what's going on behind the scenes. I know nowadays, especially younger people, maybe spend so much time interacting with technology and the apps, but just consider what's going on in the background, consider how that's working, and maybe look into learning how that's working and dismantle stuff. There's so many open source projects that you can just download and play with. Don't be afraid to break things, whatever you break it, it can be put right again. So I think that would be my main points.
0: Brilliant, Chris, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been really, really interesting to talk to you and find out all about your job and how you got to where you are today. So thank you very much.
1: That's okay. Thanks for talking to me. It's been good.